May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, when we were celebrating Martin Luther King Day, something from the collect, not a passage of the service that many of us pay a huge amount of attention to, something from the collect really struck me. Because we prayed to God for your prophet, Martin Luther King. And that made me think about prophets. It made me wonder about what prophets were and about prophecy. Well, let me tell you one thing. I am not a prophet. Many years ago now, when I was at boarding school, there was a tradition that when somebody was leaving, we had compulsory chapel five days a week, so there were lots of opportunities. When somebody was leaving, they gave a talk, sort of mini-sermon, and I gave one towards very close to the end of my time, a week before I left. And I thought I was being pretty edgy. The school chapel was this wonderful building. It was beautiful, gorgeous stained glass, stone, beautiful reredos. And I stood there and I talked about how different this seemed to be from the origins of Christianity, from those simple fishermen along the lakeside in Galilee, from the simple life that Jesus led. And when I delivered myself of this, I almost literally ran out of the building. I ran as fast as I could because all I could hear, the only voice I could hear, was that of the headmaster, the principal of the school, shouting, Will, Will. I thought, no. Anyway, it turned out he loved it. And everybody else loved it too. A week before that, one of my contemporaries, who was also leaving, gave another talk. He was as middle-class as I was, as white as I was, as male as I was, as well-educated as I was. But he gave a different talk, which was angry. We found out later what he was angry about, but it was an angry talk about what he didn't like, what was broken, what was wrong. And I was talking later to one of my school teachers, one of my history professors, And he said to me, nobody ever says, you preached a bad sermon. He said, that was a great talk you gave. But he said, you spoke as an insider. He said, yes, you criticized, but you wanted to change the thing into what it could be. He said, the talk that Mark gave was truly the talk of an outsider. He said, it was in a way prophetic. I was an insider. I am an insider. Almost all of us here are insiders. And yet, in the history of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and since, prophets are key figures. So what does it mean to be a prophet? Not an insider, to be sure. Well. There's a wonderful Old Testament scholar called Walter Brueggemann. He's written a book called, he wrote a book called The Prophetic Imagination, and he identifies two elements to being a prophet. The first is calling out the current system for what it is, for the deadening weight that it is, for the numbing thing that it is, for the humanity that it just presses down. So that's one part. But the other part is about pure hope. 
is about the energizing power, the God of freedom, who loosens our imagination for us to be anything, for God to be anything, for that freedom to be everything. And today we read about two prophets. We read about the prophet Jeremiah, and we read about Jesus, who in addition to being the Son of God, is a prophet, a priest, and king. In this passage from Jeremiah, we actually hear about how Jeremiah is empowered by God to be that prophet. A prophet is someone who comes from God, whose lips have been touched by God. And yet most of what Jeremiah did was to call out the system that he found himself in. A system which had so perverted, diverted, deformed those mosaic freedoms. This idea that the people were the people of God, that God was the king. And through Solomon in particular, but beyond, had changed this into a system of oppression. A system which deadened their humanity. A system which was in every essential way pagan. Jeremiah prophesied the downfall of Jerusalem, the destruction of Jerusalem, and going into exile. And what he did, and what Brueggemann says all prophets do, was he pointed to three elements of the current system which need to be called out in order for us to become free from it, to move on to that second part. And here I'm going to crave your indulgence because you're going to need to come back in two weeks' time to hear about that second part. But let me talk about the first, which is calling out what is wrong with the system. So the first is essentially the creation of the state, the use of the oppressive power of the state to hold people down and to hold people back, a system of control. In Solomon's case, it was slave labor. It was forced labor. It was the payment of taxes. It was a division up of the land. It was the ennobling of an aristocracy, enabling of an aristocracy. All of that. That was the oppressive power of the state. And it held people down. But the second thing, and just as important, is the creation of affluence. Is the creation of wealth. The creation of material things which sate people which take away their imagination, which divert them into other directions, which satisfy them, which stop them asking questions, which divert them from God. And the third thing is what he calls static religion. In the wilderness, in the time of Moses, God was everywhere. God was in the pillar, fiery pillar. God was around them all. God wasn't just in the tabernacle, although he was there as well. But he brought manna. God was the whole thing of Israel. God was there. And what Solomon does is builds a temple and shuts God into that building. Solomon controls God and access to God. There is the king's gate through which the king goes. The king is at the center of the temple worship. And all of a sudden, God is controlled by the king and brought in to support this system which is completely antithetical, completely against what Moses had talked about. 
And Jeremiah calls all of this out, and he says, this is why you are going to be destroyed. Because you have gone so far away from it. We should be in despair. This is a funeral for Israel. Jesus, as a prophet, has both elements of this. He calls the system out. He also talks about the energizing hope which can follow from that once we understand it, as indeed Jeremiah does to some extent. In the passage we heard from the Gospel last week, Jesus reads from the scroll of Isaiah about coming to help the poor, the starving, the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the energizing hopeful part, which I will come back to. But in this passage, he calls out what is wrong with Israel now. With the Israel that is oppressed by Herod and by Herod's family, by the Israel which is oppressed by the Romans, by the Israel which is oppressed by the temple authorities, who again pull everybody back to the new temple in Jerusalem, that they control that system. We see this obviously much later in the Gospels with the temple taxes and all the rituals. Jesus calls that out. He says, but you, you all here in this synagogue think that you are close to God. But he said, let me tell you, that is not what the prophets say. Elijah went only to the widow in Zarephath. Elisha cured only the commander of the king of Damascus's army. Not a Jew, not an Israelite. That was all he did. You think you deserve this, but you don't, because the system under which you are living is broken. It suppresses you, it deadens you, it kills you. This is a living death from which you need to break free. And that is an essential part of what the prophet does, is to call out what the system is and how it holds us down and back and that is what the third prophet did as well, Martin Luther King. He called out that system of oppression, the systemized holding down of African Americans, the way that the state was constructed to do that. He ran up against Bull Connor. He ran up against so many of these people who were using the power of the state to hold him down and to hold down the African-American people. He called that out for what it was, but he also, and this is important, pointed out what affluence did to us as well. How the satisfying of our physical needs distracted us from both the worship of God and what living that out meant. And he called out the danger of the static church. That letter that he wrote from Birmingham jail to those white ministers, to an Episcopal bishop who had said, go slow, calm down, don't do this. No, he said, you are trying to control access to God. You are in support of this system which is deadening us. No. So he did that first part of the prophet's work. Of course, he also did the second, to which I will return, which is about the energizing hope that comes from believing that we can build beloved community. Really, truly, something which is different, something which is totally different. Not an incremental change, not an insider's job, 
but something which is different. And what about us? What about me? What about you? What about this church? We are, to be sure, most of us insiders. But we have also been placed in a position, physically, as well as metaphorically, where we can understand what the system does. Here on the corner of Black Lives Matter Plaza, we have, over the past year and a half, very visibly, seen elements of the oppressive power of the state. We have seen the pain which flowed from what happened not just to George Floyd, but to so many others as well. And we have seen the power of the state employed here against protesters, against innocent people. And we need to call that out. We have also seen around us the dangers of that affluence, the distractions that they cause, the desire to do something but then to walk away and to slip back into comfort. And we have also seen the dangers of the church, not this church, not necessarily our denomination, but political Christianity, trying to control this situation, to control access to God. So we have here the raw materials for that first element of prophecy. Can we do it? I don't know. But I do take some comfort from the reading of Jeremiah. Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, do not say that. For you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, now I have put words into your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and pull down, to destroy or overthrow, to build and to plant. Amen.